Ash Olaf. Hi guys, welcome back to Waxing Lyrical, the music series from the symposium. Happy to be joined by the usual crowd of Jay, Arjun and Cameron. Um, we're going to be, as usual, talking about the albums that we're reviewing. Um, each of us have chosen one and then uh, we'll just talk about what we're going to do in the future, maybe for the rest of the week musically. But yeah, as usual, the focus will be mostly on our albums. I chose um, Are You Experienced by uh, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix Experience. Jay, what did you choose? I choose Homogenic by Bjork. Uh, Arjun, what did you choose? I chose Illidale Fat Life by The Roots. And Cameron, what did you choose? Uh, my choice was Cool for Cats by Squeeze. Mm, okay, so we've got, as usual, we've got quite a nice eclectic mix. I'd just like to say before we start then, um, or we start the album review, I mean, um, so normally we talk about stuff we've done musically in the last week or so, what we've been listening to. Well, this morning, um, I went to a record store, which was a proper, proper vintage, vintage record store with, with massive eclectic genre, genre choice, um, which is about 10 minutes from my house. And I went there and I got myself a few records for like 20 quid. I got like seven records. Most of them are classical. But in this in the shop, they have like a massive variety. And yeah, I mean, I just I just thought I'd, drop, I'd just say that because um, I know Jay, I bought with Jay, one of Jay's birthday presents was a record player last year and I, I know he really enjoys it and my dad kind of has, has found his old record player from the 1980s and it still works really well it's it's like quite quite good condition and quality so he's just he's going to give me that and um yeah I, I just got a few symphonies and stuff to play on it and I thought it was quite cool I mean Cameron are you a fan of actual vinyl records uh I am yeah yeah I do have a record player and uh I, I got it a few years back and one of my favorite pastimes is to uh go around charity shops i live in a town with quite an elderly population so yeah. i'm either fortunate or unfortunate enough that there are quite a lot of charity shops locally so yeah going around crate digging is always uh, quite a good experience probably my best uh, pool that i've ever got um doing so was a original it was an original 1964 pressing of uh, Francoise Hardy's record Tous les garçons et les filles. Nice. Yeah, I managed to get that for two pounds. So I was That's very, very good. I was chuffed with that one. Yeah. I mean um I the nicest one I got was a I think it was a it's a it's a secondary pressing from 1937, so not an original of Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony. And it's got like this nice Soviet artwork on the front and stuff. <laughs> No, wow, I'm in love. <laughs> so it's, it's a 1962 original of a 1937 recording. So, so yeah, I just thought that was quite cool. Red label as well. And I, I got this one for £4. So I just thought, you know, that's decent. Yeah, and I would it's, love I guess, to get into vinyls. Yeah. Know, but I mean, haven't got a vinyl player, haven't got a record player. But well, ideally is, in my ideal life, I would. I mean, I saw the one that Jay and I, I the one we got for Jay, our friend Jay, uh, Jay and a couple of our other mutual friends, got jay this player and it was like i think 40 30 quid or something and there are cheaper ones that are like 20 quid so it's very it's not too hard to get it just a turntable with a standard needle and and then the records obviously as cameron said are like quite cheap i mean jay are you enjoying using yours yeah i am i've been meaning to get some more i've been meaning to kind of go to some shops i think that's something i'm going to do in the coming weeks actually and get some more albums on mine i've listened to kids see ghosts on it i couldn't even tell you how many times yeah, because you know, um, Rohan, our friend, bought me um, Dark Side of the Moon in vinyl, yeah. which I guess puts me in the same group as about 100 million other people in the world who also <laughs> yeah. have that on vinyl. But I, that kind of then made me uh, decide to maybe expand. And I got like a few classic uh, classical pieces. So I got Shostakovich's Fifth. I got American in Paris and Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin. I got Tchaikovsky's uh, Number Six Symphony and a few overtures from Wagner, among some others. So I, I I got a lot of classical stuff, but I want to branch out into more 60s, 70s stuff then, I guess, you know. But yeah, that's a nice intro. Um, what have you guys been listening to more recently then? Jay, what have you been listening to this week? Um, gosh, what have I been listening to? Um, I've listened to a lot of Radiohead this week. I actually I think I've listened to so much Radiohead that they're probably number one on my Spotify from this year. Um, okay. Literally just out of the last week alone. Um, what, which ones? Uh, what? Kid A or? 
Uh, no, so I've listened to, I finally got around to listening to Moonshape 4 this week, right. which is their most recent album, and the which is, the funny thing, it's kind of, it's similar vibe to a lot of their stuff, but it's, it's a lot more depressing, and it's kind of a lot more <laughs> kind of ambient than their other works. It's a really good album. It's, it's very, like, obviously Johnny Greenwood has, for the past kind of decade or so, been playing around with, um, you know, scores for films, and I think it shows off here more than ever. It's got, there's a lot of orchestral work going on here. He's obviously just completely taking control. It's, it's a really good album. Doesn't he do some of Paul Thomas Anderson's films? Yeah, he's done, um, yeah, he's done, I think he's done all four since There'll Be Blood. He's done There'll Be Blood, The Master, Inherent Vice, and uh, Phantom Thread. Well, all of them, are, well, I haven't seen Phantom Thread, but the other three I can say for sure are brilliant films. So, yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, Cameron, how about you? So I've been revisiting probably what a lot of people would call a guilty pleasure, even though I despise the term, and right. that is the uh, the Carpenters. Oh, so, classic. <laughs> it is a classic. Yeah, I've been in a very sad mood, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's actually been inspired by a book that I'm reading at the minute, which is called Why Karen Carpenter Matters by Karen Tongson. And Karen Tongson was, uh, she emigrated to America with her family in the 1970s, and her mother then named her for Karen Carpenter. And it's a brilliant exploration of how cultural identity and music are linked because Karen Carpenter, she writes, sort of embodied this clean cut Americana, American dream image of the 1970s. And that's obviously why she was then named for her. So go and check that out if you can. It's a really great book. And uh, obviously listen to the Carpenters as well because She's probably the greatest singer of all time, in my opinion. Mm, that's a bold, bold claim. Uh, Arjun. Um, so a few days ago, one of my favourite young and up-and-coming rappers, Joey Badass, uh, released a new EP, uh, a, th- a three-song EP. And one of the songs that, um, that was on the EP sampled um, a, one of, a classic hip-hop track from the mid-1990s by an underground hip-hop group called Jedi Mind Tricks. And so I've been listening back um, to their first couple of albums. They're very underground. I mean, their first album is called The Psychosocial, Chemical, Biological and Electromagnetic Manipulation of Human Consciousness, which is quite a wordy album. And it sort of tells you that they're a bit intellectual and a bit perhaps pretentious. But they're a really good group. And I've been re-listening to them. And I maybe might recommend um, one or two of the albums to you guys in the future. Mm, That sounds right up, James. I think the name's so yeah, I'll just come in and say that uh, Uncommon Valor by Jedi Mind Tricks is probably my favourite uh, hip-hop song of the 2000s. It's such a really? shame. Oh, nice. Okay. It is so glad, that you, glad that you know them then, yeah. I, I, I don't know them personally. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of MF Doom and Mad Lib stuff. So I re-listened to Piñata, which is uh, Mad Lib and uh, Freddie Gibbs which Arjun introduced me to not that long ago. And um, yeah, it's even better on a second listen. I think it's better than their second album, Bandana. Um, And yeah, I really enjoyed that as a listen. Um, Yeah, I've also been listening to um, some of Mad Lib's collaborations with MF Doom. So obviously Mad Villainy, which is a really, which is a really good, um, which is a really good album that I I introduced Jay to as well. And he really enjoyed it. And then some of MF Doom's own stuff, like uh, Mm Food and also the kind of vaudeville villain stuff. So yeah, I mean, I've got getting back into that kind of stuff. Um, Arjun, I know that you're a fan of kind of Madlib. Do you like the kind of collabs with MF Doom? And what do you think about MF Doom's own work? Own work, just from your hip hop perspective. Yeah, um, I love I love uh, Madlib and um, Food. Haven't listened to them in quite a while actually. I'll get back into that in the next couple of weeks or a couple of days actually. But yeah, mm. I think they both complement each other really well. Madlib's like really a legendary producer in his own right, um, and yeah, his collaborations with um rapper such as mf doom freddie gibbs shows that he's yeah definitely stands on his own it's sort of the hip-hop hall of fame and yeah i'm looking forward to um whatever he does next i, I know that him and freddie gibbs have got an, another album planned called montana which is like the third in the trilogy that yeah. should come out next year or something but it'd be nice if um him and mf doom could link up again and produce something although mf doom sort of seems to be in semi-retirement right now barely barely comes out to record anything knew whether it's a feature or a song so we'll see about that no it's just a shame i mean what i really like about his stuff i noticed was um the kind of cartoonish elements almost like you're in an explicit adult version of a classic saturday morning cartoon like a classic superhero cartoon whether it's spider-man batman or batfink any of those and it, it, you know I, I really like that kind of vibe because it's it's almost like 
you know when you see on Instagram those those rappers that are put over cartoons, it's almost as if this was kind of made for that, which is quite interesting. I mean, Cameron, what are your thoughts on um, Mad Lib and MF Doom? Uh, yeah, I've got to be honest. I've only really listened to Mad Villainy, but it's a great album. Um, I think the thing that sells it for me is the production of it and just how tight it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a short album from, like, it's like, what, 25 minutes? No, it? it's, it's about 40, actually. It is about 40. Well, th- yeah. there you go. It, I sh- <laughs> that just goes to prove it. It's one of those things that it sounds a lot tighter than what you might actually... Yeah. Uh, each track's only like one minute or two minutes yeah that's probably why i'm getting confused with it but no it the time passes really quickly on it because it just flows so seamlessly from one track to the next so great production i'd I'd love to check out more of his stuff yeah yeah no it's it's good right i think we should yeah go on uh, side of a good amber where there may be a lot of tracks and maybe quite long but it never feels stale never gets old you can listen again and again yeah yeah all right, let's get into the albums then. So, Jay, do you want to go first with your um, choice? I think it was Bjork. Yes, it was. It was Homogenic by Bjork. Um, so I picked this album. Um, to us, I really like Bjork. I think she's probably one of the most interesting female musicians out there. Um, she's kind of started her career. If you listen to her earlier stuff, they're kind of more, you know, electro-poppy. And then as she's gotten older, her stuff's gotten more and more experimental. And I feel like Homogenic's kind of a nice crossroads of that. You hear kind of the experimental tracks on songs like Pluto. You hear kind of the poppy vibes on stuff like um, Alarm Call. But there's also like these huge orchestral tracks. I feel like it's kind of a good album that kind of gives you an overview of what she's about as an artist. She, for me, kind of, I feel like I kind of get Kate Bush kind of vibes of her. I feel like she's a similar kind of artist to Bush. You know, she's, you know, a female artist with a strong voice who uses that voice kind of, to create this amazing sounds in her music and has got a lot of talent in terms of songwriting production and make kind of really experimental interesting works so yeah, i think she's a great uh, great artist i think this is a great album so i'm curious to hear what you guys make of it yeah i mean cameron what are your thoughts uh yeah this is an outstanding album uh i think the greatest compliment i can give it is that if it were released today it would still sound fresh and when you think that it was dropped, I agree completely. It, yeah, you think it dropped 25 years ago almost. It's just a testament to its ambition and where it took her established sound with albums like Post and, and Debut. So I, I listened to it throughout. I think it, it's sort of a weird album to listen to with the benefit of hindsight because all I heard through it, and this is again a, a compliment in the highest sense were artists that she has then influenced so i could hear traces of angel olsen from last year or um, mm. uh, st vincent or elements of beach house and that's the strength of it to me is that that's like where a lot of these themes and a lot of these ideas originated and you know as for the album itself songwriting wise i think she's definitely matured from her first two albums like jay said it's nice mediation of the electro pop themes that she explored but also being willing to experiment bring in these aspects like uh icelandic strings and choirs then with the sort of heavy pounding drum and bass it's a brilliant album with a lot of identifiable influences and strands so Mm. it's, it's an interesting record like jay said it's a very good album i like the kind of rhythmic varieties on it so um in the songs like um i think it was hunter or mm, also yeah. ba- bachelorette all of them have kind of like boppy um kind of hi-hats and um and kind of like kicks and snares and you can and you can hear that and and it's also slightly more like it keeps it quite lively as you say but also it does as, as cameron says keep it keeps it quite fresh in that she combines a lot of like electronic-y future sounds with some really good use of like classically melodic instruments as well which kind of leads to a nice variety i mean arjun what are your thoughts yeah i really enjoyed this album i thought i thought my criticism of it would be that it, it perhaps started off excellently and then tailed off a bit towards the end but on the yeah, whole i might, really I might agree slightly yeah. um i thought hunter was a really like a really good opening track it was, it was that was my favorite song on the album yeah and the, it, set, it set a really nice tone for the rest of the album and I wouldn't be surprised if, from, from the little I know of her, I wouldn't be surprised if that was considered one of her best songs. Mm. The, um, I would say that, yeah, the, the tone that, that that song created for the rest of the album 
um, was really good. It was a very arresting piece of music. I thought the other standout song for me were Bachelorette, um, which was a bit more of, of a conventional song um, in terms of its melodies on the album, but it, it just sounded very grandiose, and I thought it really mm. carried well. And then the song Pluto, which maybe may have been a bit <laughs> out of place because it was a bit more aggressive than the rest of the songs, but I really liked it. Um, yeah, I did enjoy this album. And yeah, I look forward to listening to more of her. I like the kind of almost not say I'm not really sure if suffocating is the right word, but but like very intense sound and dense you get from like Hoga. Is it Hoga? Yoga. Yoga. Um, and I thought that that was that was quite interesting, just as it because it contrasts nicely with other songs on the album. Um, and that's what I kind of agree with Arjun in the sense that it like songs like Alarm Call. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's a bit of a contrast to Yoga. But then at the same time, I feel yoga is almost a higher quality as well. I, I'm not sure. I mean, although I, I think, think it's, I think it's like a very good album. I'm, I'm not, I yeah. agree with Arjun. I think it might tail off slightly near the end. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd say probably yoga and unravel are probably my two favorite songs on the album. Yeah. Um, I think yoga is like an incredible song. Um, I mm. think she uses her vocals uh, like absolutely perfectly. If you ever hear like a live version, it sounds exactly the same. Mm. Um, I think, you know, there are songs, I mean, Alarm Call has kind of grown on me over the years. Um, All is Full of Love, I'm not really too mad about. Um, But I think, even so, I think in time of the context of the album, you've got something like Pluto, which is like just blasting in your ear. Like, it's such an intense song. And then suddenly you just switch into All is Full of Love, which is like very ambient, very quiet, very tame. Mm. And I feel like it kind of is a nice kind of, it always like lets off the steam that Pluto's just kind of gone for. Mm. Um, so I think even, you know, even some of the tracks I don't like as much, I can kind of, I can definitely understand why they're on this album. What I kind of liked actually was the kind of, although I, although I, I agree with Arjun that maybe not all the songs are of equal quality, I disagree with him on the kind of, um, on the kind of, on, on the way that the, the, the quality went up and down throughout the album in that, although he says it kind of tails off, I think a couple of the last songs are actually quite good, like Pluto, which feels yeah. like, almost like it's, very, as I say, intense, but lively. Um, it comes back from alarm call into the kind of um, almost like like very synthy and, and she howls a lot. And she, you know, she's clearly trying to leave a lasting impression at the end of the album. I mean, Cameron. Yeah, yeah I think it goes to the variety of the record that my, my favourite song on it was actually Alarm Call. Because, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I loved Alarm Call. I loved how she used the sampling and the electronic rhythm uh, and she sort of interspersed that throughout. I think it was some really tight sampling there, which I could appreciate. Probably, again, because I, I prefer my stuff more electronic than the more uh, rich orchestral sound of yoga. Mm. But when going discussing how it has, uh, how it might tail off, I think that it's actually a really good bit of musicianship because it's an album that has peaks and troughs not in terms of quality but in terms of intensity yes like that's, said, that's in, it, yeah. It, yeah it ends of pluto or it, pluto's very close to the end it's this big pounding techno tra- uh, track almost very but industrial it, wouldn't you say very industrial yeah it's almost like a bit of trent Reznor, nine inch nails that's a yeah. vibe i got off it but then it does have the more lullaby atmospheric song so it does it, i like the way it varies its sound yeah I mean, Pluto to me almost kind of reminds me of um, On Sight from Jesus in a weird way. It's just like this big statement piece of just pure industrial sound, just kind of going for it. Mm. It's mm. one of those. I mean, I really like the song. I think it just actually smacks you in the face. No, I think I think I think it's quite clear that if you read around the album as well, a context of maybe her trying to rediscover her heritage or recognize yeah. it. It's quite a confrontational album. It does not. It's not an album that you can just sit and let it and let it um and and just let it flow flow over you. It, it demands your attention. It, as you say, it slaps you in the face, but it demands that you listen. It, it actually, even if you're doing something else, the music will actually grab your attention, which is something that's yeah. quite rare. Which is, which I is think, quite rare. I think that's something that she does. Even if we're not just talking about this, in like for example, Medulla, which is an album she which was the album. I think she made it two albums after Homogenic. So this album, for example, is it's pretty much an acapella album and she's just trying to use it's pretty much everything in it as a human voice, but it's kind of pushing it as far as humanly possible. And I think you kind of see that in Homogenic where she takes 
this idea of Scandinavian of like the Scandinavian roots and pushes that as far as possible in songs like you know, through kind of what she does she deploys these um like it's like an Icelandic kind of singing technique it's like half spoken yeah half kind of like ancient wailing kind of sounds um so I like that kind of one of the things she does do throughout her career is she's always willing to experiment and she's kind of happy to push these experiments as far as possible which obviously maybe it doesn't always work but I think it's always something you can respect in her as an artist yeah I mean I agree um Arjun would you like a fun word um yeah it's good I agree with everything that you guys said I I think that when I said that it tailed off towards the end I didn't mean the songs took a nose complete nosedive I did enjoy the songs overall at the end but I just thought compared to the to the to the incredible start of the album um with songs like The Hunter and um Yoga and and also Unravel I think which is the third or fourth song of the album um, yeah. it, it just felt a bit lacking in comparison but yeah, it was overall quite a solid album, I thought. Yeah, okay, good. I mean, uh, I think uh, let's move on to then my choice. So I chose Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix, or kind of Jimi, Jimi Hendrix Experience. Um, what is there that you can say about this record that's not been said? It's it's seen um, as one of the best records ever made, according to Rolling Stone. Um, it's rated 10 out of 10, but I think I don't think I've had anyone ever give any, any kind of... I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a... A review that gives it less than four, four or four or five stars. Um, the songs on it are incredibly famous and ubiquitous with the era and and the artist, whether it's Purple Haze or Hey Joe, or kind of other songs that um, are not as well known, but or even Foxy Lady, but or other songs that are not as well known, which have you know amazing outros. Um, the the album is packed full of beautiful guitar work and riffs, almost some some bluesy notes versus some rock notes with beautiful variety. The vocals are, as usual, on point. Um, the remastering I found on Spotify, um, uh, which is where I listened to it, was, was really good. It, took, it, it made the most of modern stereo sound. I think the other members of the band were brilliant, especially the percussion, as, as Jay said to me, actually, a couple of days ago. And yeah, overall, I mean, there's not that much more you can say. Um, I personally think it's probably the best guitarist guitar record I've ever heard. I mean, I'm a massive fan of some of Eric Clapton stuff. Um, I'm a massive fan of, of Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits, and um, I like Led Zeppelin three and Led Zeppelin one, but which is you know Jimmy Page. But I do think that this album by by Jimi Hendrix is the best guitarist guitar album I've ever heard. Uh, Cameron, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean I agree with you. This is uh, an album that there isn't in some ways a lot to say about because it's been discussed at great length before. Uh, obviously, it's a fantastic album. It highlights Jimmy's uh, abilities as both a musician with technical ability and as a songwriter. Um, my personal favourite track on the album is The Wind Cries Mary for that reason, because yeah. it shows how, even though he's known for his more harder rocking stuff with long solos, he can still compose something that resembles something of a ballad. Mm. Uh, I personally have never considered this album one of my favorites even though it's a very good album i prefer my psychedelia more orchestral more baroque mm. slightly more focused on keys uh for that's for the same reason the guitar i think is very valuable here in this album because he manages to change and subvert your expectations of what you can do with it you've got these long solos which to my knowledge i don't really think you saw in a lot of music before that so even though it might not be my cup of tea at every turn it's mm. still a very good album so would you say that you prefer something like electric lady ladyland i do yeah electric is probably my favorite hendrix album um right it just for the reason that it sort of builds on the more experimental vibes in here it's got slightly longer so i'm thinking it's tracks like voodoo chili and stuff like that it expands on the experimentation but as a debut album as well that's what you've got to remember with this it's mm. a cracking debut album and it's a very good record at the time jay what are your thoughts because obviously um i mean your thoughts on the album overall and also what cameron said about he he prefers electric ladyland and of course you told me that you prefer this over electric ladyland so yeah what are your thoughts yeah so i actually listened to electric ladyland for the first time this week um before listening to are you experienced obviously i knew quite a lot of these songs um especially on are you experienced i knew most of the tracks but i hadn't actually listened to the album as a whole um i thought this was the better album i thought i actually said that i thought lecture was brilliant but i think this is actually quite significantly better 
Um, I think one of the strengths this has got going of it is this has got 17 tracks on it. You know, every track's like two, three minutes with the exception of Third Stone from the Sun. But they're all kind of fully, um, they're all kind of fully, um, fully realized tracks. They're all interesting. They all kind of grab your attention. And then just as you're like, oh my God, this can't get better. It switches into another song and it gets even better. Um, I think also here, I kind of, in a weird way, I, it's funny because I've always liked still kind of wah-wah, you know, voc- um, guitar playing from Hendrix, but I actually thought that it was even better here when obviously they didn't really do that as much and it kind of felt almost more bluesy at times. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. You could kind of, especially here, like, um, what song was it? It was um, I Don't Live Today. It kind of, the way he was singing kind of reminded me of like Hoochie Coochie Man, like Muddy Waters and that, where he was yeah. singing in between the, the, the percussion and between the guitars. Um, also actually on that song as well like this guy was using every fucking production technique he could possibly use like it was crazy I would not have expected this album to be made in the 1960s it was so like the studio um, techniques are fantastic the songs are kind of switching up all the time it's consistently interesting I think this is a fantastic album Mm. Um, Arjun what are your sorry no Jay actually before 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 I leave you can you just engage with what Cameron said so he he said he prefers Electric Ladyland to this what are your thoughts on that comparison no I don't agree Um, I think Electric Ladyland's brilliant but I think what this does really well is it kind of takes all the good elements of Electric Ladyland and pushes them in together and kind of condenses it into this slightly shorter but slightly more kind of concise and consistent album and I think also one of the things I noticed a lot is Electric Ladyland for me is a Jimi Hendrix album. Whereas I think Are You Experienced is a Jimi Hendrix experience album. Yeah. In the sense that you hear kind of, you know, the drumming, as you said, is, is on point on this. Whereas I think Jimi kind of dominates um, on Electric Ladyland on songs like All Along the Watchtower. It's just Jimi playing guitar. It's no one else. Whereas here, I think it's nice to see that kind of the other people are allowed to shine in the album as well. Mm. Arjun, what are your thoughts? Um, in a way, this is quite a bad album to pick because of the fact that it's almost it's really hard to critique it because it's yeah. such a good album. But but yeah, it's a phenomenal album. And coming from a person who doesn't tend to um, enjoy this sort of music, I, I loved it when I first listened to it about a year ago, I think. Mm. Um, personally, I haven't actually listened to Electric Ladyland yet, but I actually prefer Axis Boulder's Love to this one. But the, 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 these two albums, the, those two albums that I've heard from him are just phenomenal. Um, yeah, and considering he was what 24, 25 when he recorded this, it's yeah. a phenomenal debut. I mean, he and was dead. He has, was dead about. He was dead about three years later. It's yeah, twenty seven. Yeah. yeah, but it has such an alluring quality to it that it's so rare because yeah, he's just like a, a great individual musician, and yeah, the fact that his, it was his debut and it just makes it like yeah remarkable to to listen to it the first time around and, and see how young he was when he made this sort of music because it's, it's genius to be honest and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't get old it's timeless the fact that it's over half a century later and and you know everyone's still raving about it shows how good it is i mean um do you prefer this kind of more bluesy kind of aspects to hendrix or the pure kind of famous rocker that most people know um from what i've heard of him i i I certainly prefer Axe as Bold as Love, but it's not a huge thing. I I prefer the psychedelic rock yeah. um, that I've heard from him than the more traditional. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree, I think. Yeah. Um, Cameron, so you said also that you kind of prefer a lot of the psychedelic stuff. You kind of agree with Arjun. I mean, I'd, I'd probably agree with you, as you know, from my tastes like Pink Floyd, etc. What specific guitarist, psychedelic guitarist albums that uh, do you really enjoy? Um just as uh, that you think you know you enjoy more than this one could you give just give some examples to listeners uh yeah the, the the big one for me is um in the court of the crimson king by king crimson i think that's probably mm. my favorite of the rock psychedelic albums mm. uh just that th- this might be a bit of heresy but i do actually prefer that album as a rock psychedelic album to any of Jimi hendrix's albums oh really so, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, purely because I mean, for the reasons Jay was saying, why he likes this album so much about how it's concise, how the studio is used uh, in such an experimental way. I think on in the Court of a Crimson King, you see those ideas uh, built upon in great leaps and strides. You've got more 
uh, the, the, the solos are, are wackier uh, on, on the guitar. The percussion, which I'll admit is fantastic on uh, Are You Experienced? The percussion on uh, Crimson King is just that much more the, 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 that much more experimental. There's just so many more mm. fills there. Um, for all those reasons, I do. I prefer In the Court of Crimson King to, to any of Hendrix's work, which mm. I realise it's a bit of a hot take. No, that is a hot take. I mean, so, um, I mean, question open to any of you then. So where would you rank Hendrix just in the pantheon of guitarists? I mean, for me, he's probably at the top, followed by Clapton and then Page and then Knopfler and, and uh, I think everyone else. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I prefer Hendrix to Clapton, definitely. I think he's, it's not even, it's, I do slightly prefer like his psychedelic sound, but I also think he's better at the blues guitar. He's better at when he's doing it, you know, completely mm. psychedelic, like he does on Electric Ladyland. I think there's a nice, you know, versatility to his playing style. I think it's probably slightly tighter as well. Um, but I think Hendrix is, and I think he also grabs my attention a bit more with his guitar playing. Yeah, fair enough. Cameron, final word? Uh, yeah, obviously, as a guitarist uh, from that era, Hendrix is a legend. Um, I personally prefer King Crimson as an album. Mm. Guitarist overall, utilising the psychedelic influences, I would have to say that Mark Knopfler is actually my favourite. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, Brothers in Arms, I say, is I think it's probably 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 album, which is uh, Dire Straits. Yeah, very good. I, again, though, I'm probably more of a love over gold man, I have to say. Really? Okay. I do, yeah. No, I mean, maybe we'll explore that in a future pod. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Cameron, then, uh, you may as well go next. Uh, yeah, so my choice this week was uh, Cool for Cats by Squeeze. It is their second album and was released in 1979. Uh, and I chose it because it sort of showed how power pop and new wave were nascent genres at the time, expanding upon your free chord, wonder, punk, angry songs. Uh, to evolve in something a bit more melodic, a bit more tuneful. And uh, yeah, in this album, you can see that, I think, through uh, Jules Holland's work on the keys, you've got quite a range of uh, sounds being used there, from Farfisa organs to Hammond organs uh, to straight-up synthesizers at some point. Uh, and also the lyrics on this album are some of my personal favourite across uh, probably all time of any genre. Uh, the partnership of... Um, Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford, I think, is probably one of the best in the 70s and 80s, maybe getting up close to Ray Davies' level from the Kinks in terms of how he, they can paint a story from just a mundane slice-of-life type angle. So, yeah, I thought this album's really good, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think about it. Jay, what are your thoughts? Because I know you like the title track before you actually listen to the whole thing. Oh yeah, I first heard the title track when I was probably like six or seven years old in like my dad's car, um, and it always came on. And I always liked the song. I always, I think it's quite a, a bit of a banger. Um, and I think you know, it pretty much is. It's kind of the same vibe throughout the whole album. It, it's a good. It's kind of a fun listen. It's one of those songs that's just. I guess the probably the best term I could use to describe it is bouncy. Um, it's very you know jolly and fun um and i kind of liked it one of the songs where they start bringing like the bells and i thought that was kind of interesting i don't know if i'd necessarily say like the album blew my mind but it for me kind of stood out as like a really good kind of example of a pop album that's just 12 tracks that are just very pleasurable and fun to listen to and i think you know i'm not saying that as a, you know, a disservice to the album i thought it was a good album mm. um it might not necessarily be my cup of tea completely but i thought it was an enjoyable listen mm. arjun yeah, Jay pretty much read my mind there. Um, I, I was thinking of the way Bouncy as well. It's a collection of 12 catchy songs, some of which I liked, some of which I didn't like. But on the whole, it was a very fun listen to. It was a very fun listen. And yeah, it was a, a fairly solid album, I'd say. But again, it didn't nothing. It didn't stand out for me as like one of the best albums I've heard um, for this pod. But I thought it was certainly an enjoyable listen. And just under 40 minutes as well. Didn't I never once felt like I was getting bored by the the songs mm. no I, mean, I think I, I think i agree with both of you to just uh overall um i enjoyed pretty much 75 percent of the tracks i thought were good the others i thought were like fine i didn't i didn't think that they were bad or anything um i think it was overall a, yeah a good listen i never felt bored as arjun said i liked certain songs like touching me touching you i thought was quite a good night in a microcosm of the genre it captured the zeitgeist it 
just uh, in terms of not not in terms of like social issues, but in terms of the music and the instrumental and and um, some of the kind of um, lyricism and the and uh, uh, pacing and, and percussive and, and use of percussive instrumentation. Um, I thought the song "It's Not Cricket" was quite interesting, and I liked the almost kind of um, authentic UK um, kind of scene. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought the title track was probably my highlight of the album. I mean, Cameron, what what do you think of the individual tracks? Uh, the standout track for me on this album definitely is uh, "Up the Junction" and just its ability. It's only three minutes long, and it tells this uh, that this story with quite a lot of uh, dimensions to it which I realise might go uh, they might go missed first time round but that's sort of uh, representative of the whole album for me it might seem like just a, a, a bouncy fun listen which obviously I think it is first time round but then you listen more to the lyrics and just how they capture that quintessentially quirky late 70s uh, specifically English uh, irreverent sense of humour and I think it does have quite a lot of value there then in just how much of a counterpoint to the zeitgeist it actually was You've here you've got this sort of self-deprecating album with the only real consistent concept being uh, a guy who likes to drink because of his unrequited loves uh, and you've got that set against this backdrop of massive social change so yeah I can see why for some people that might be bouncy or fun in the sense that it is just meaningless in a sense but it has a more innate value as well for that reason I mm. think. so i mean where do you think it kind of fits in the genre just or in terms of this just the, its era because it, it echoes some of the classic kind of 70s sounds and um but but it seems to be almost a precursor to a lot of the later more boppy 80s synthy stuff mm. as well Mm, yeah, so definitely. I mean, some of the tracks on it, especially like the title track, like you say, is one of your favourites. I think that you could easily mistake that for having been produced by like a Giorgio Moroder in terms of how mm. it utilises the synthesizers or the introductory track, uh, Slap and Tickle. It does. It, that's sort of what I was alluding to why I chose it. it. It's the evolution of punk music and that sort of power pop uh, mid-70s stuff into then your 1980s new wave stuff going from uh, more simplistic songwriting mm. into using more experimental instrumentals and also exploring slightly more complex in-depth lyrical themes so it mm. does it's a nice middle point between those mm. two genres and if someone like kind of quite enjoyed listening to this and um, they'd want to like move on something similar what other albums do would you recommend uh, I'd recommend the band Sparks, uh, specifically their albums. Um, oh, I think it's called uh, My Kimono or Touching My Kimono or something. And they're the one. And my personal favorite is Number One in Heaven. Oh, uh, Kimono My House. That's the one. Yeah, Kimono My House. Mm. 1974, I think it was. A yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're another band that sort of went from glam rock into more explicitly new wave, going from uh heavily featured guitars into bringing in synthesizers and then mediating those so uh, very mm. comparable mm. um okay uh let's move on then to arjun's choice and he's chosen an album by the roots arjun you just wanted to talk briefly about the artist before you tell us about the album yeah so the roots you may you may know are the backing um band the instrumental band that the well the house band that are on G the jimmy fallon show the tonight show jimmy fallon so it may seem a bit bizarre to newcomers to them that they actually have one of the, the among the more stellar discographies in hip hop. They're a very commendable hip hop group by their own right. Um, they're more they're more a duo, I'd say. So they have two members, that, uh, two constant members, Black Thought and Questlove, um, who are the vocalist and the drummer respectively. And then they have a sort of revolving door of musicians um, like percussionists, um, key uh, players, bass players, um, human beatboxes guitarists that um, come and go and I've been um, yeah I've been through a revolving door for the last almost three decades and they've released 14 albums to date um, and all of them are very stellar at least the ones that I've heard I think I've heard about 11 of them very stellar very solid albums um, their first album Organics was a sort of a classic jazz rap album a very humble beginning to their um, to their career 
they 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 just seem to be some sort of a jazz band that had fun a bit of vocals here and there but it was it's more a jazz album than an actual hip-hop album but um with this um third album in adult hat life they really come into their own and yeah really kick into the to the roots if you pardon the pun that we know them that many people know them to be today and this this was a very enjoyable album this was one of the first um albums i heard from them and, and yeah it's a very solid album and i'd be interested to hear to hear what you guys thought of it yeah i mean before i'd started i was really intrigued just because obviously i'd, I'd watched jimmy fallon for years and i'd seen them on and I, i'd seen at Tariq or black thought and Questlove were obviously very talented musicians so it, i was kind of interested to hear some of their studio album stuff and also you'd sent me before i listened um some of Tariq doing 10 minute freestyle um which obviously caught the internet by storm when it happened so that just kind of further piqued my curiosity. Overall, I thought I really kind of enjoyed the album. I liked the kind of classic hip hop production. It reminded me a lot of other mid 90s rap. And um, it reminded me a lot with the kind of flows um, about almost kind of precursor to more conscious stuff rather than almost braggadocious stuff, which I guess plays into Black Thought's kind of whole persona as someone who is more conscious about kind of social issues rather than merely um, just kind of bragging about his own personal wealth and stuff um yeah i mean what what did you think jay as someone um who's kind of more getting into hip-hop as 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 you go along uh yeah i really liked this actually um it was definitely my favorite album arjun's recommended um i thought it was a really interesting listen um we were kind of saying about how you know a sign of good album is when it's quite long but it never gets boring and you don't even kind of notice the time pass and i definitely would echo that here I mean, the album's 80 minutes, there's 20 tracks, but at no point did I feel like I was just listening to the same song. Um, in particular, I felt there was a really good use of kind of these intermissions, um, you know, such as um, versus Scratch with like the DJ sets kind of playing in the background or Dave versus US, um, which kind of helps keep your attention. Um, one of the things I thought was fantastic about this album actually was the transitions between each track. It was pretty much seamless. Um I loved the kind of constant jazz influence that was, you know, permeating throughout the entire album. And also the fact that they decided, they decided to end it on kind of a spoken word outro. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good album. I thought it was interesting. It was probably one of the better rap albums I've listened to, um, especially from this era. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Uh, Cameron, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, this was a this was a good hip hop album. Uh, the standout for me uh, on this project was the lyrics. I really enjoyed how introspective they were, and how uh, cognizant of the times they were. You know, a lot of people I think might consider this album dated now. It's 25 years old, and it has references mm. to these things that were just you know, uh, it's, it's a very 90s album. They're talking. Yeah. About Atlanta Olympics and cell phones just coming in and sort of drawing analogies from that with uh, you know the tribulations of the black community in America at the time but I don't think it's dated I think it's more of a it's a valuable snapshot into the cultural mm. attitudes of the time and I really did that, that I enjoyed the the, the lyrics for this is, is what sold it for me. Obviously, the production is very good as well. Like Jay said, there's an obvious jazz influence. I also like the inclusion of artists like D'Angelo on certain points of this to give it that R&B slow jam type vibe. It actually reminded me more of some 70s soul uh, in bits, more than explicit jazz. I got a big Luther Vandross type vibe from a lot of the tracks. Uh, but no, this was a this is a really tight record and probably, uh, like Jay said, for me as well, the favourite one that Arjun's recommended. So, yeah, this is uh, probably an eight out of ten for me. I really enjoyed this one. Mm, no, I think I agree. I mean, this is it's either this one or Sean Price is probably my favourite, but it is probably this because I really do like the East Coast '90s vibe. As I've said on previous pods, I'm trying to get into it more. We're listening to stuff from the Wu Tang, um, and obviously I like Nas um, in Illmatic because obviously I think a masterpiece, probably the best hip hop album I've listened to. So I definitely heard those kind of influences or, or comparable kind of styles in this album. Um, I liked some of the kind of almost sampling based songs um, because of the use of the instrumentals, because they obviously the group's quite large. So they have like beatboxes and bass players, etc. So they can add kind of instrumentation to songs which almost sound like samples, which act as a kind of precursor to people that you'd hear now, someone like J. Cole or someone who is you know, quite orchestral and grandiose in their production 
but willing to use you know variety of instruments um orchestral sounds um but then combining that with almost the grittier content based uh, or grittier kind of live content based um 90s east coast rap that characterizes a lot of the best rap that um, i've heard i mean um, arjun how would you position this in the kind of hip-hop you've listened to and in terms of eras um yeah i thought it was really the albums in general really solid marrying of live instrumentation and the boom bap that everyone likes from the sort of 90s when they think of 90s hip-hop um yeah if, if i personally love artists like gangstar the tribal quest diggable planets um, even, and even more conscious rappers like Common, Tali Pali, Mosef, and yeah, this is the, one of one of the um, standout albums of the sort of jazz rap and conscious rap and boom bap genre, and it brings together it brings together all three subgenres really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about the Roots is that all of their albums um, seem to represent different um, subgenres of hip hop. So you have the explicitly explicit jazz rap. Um, of their first album, Organics. Then you have the ex- extremely experimental, almost electronic game theory, um, and then they have a, a cover, a, an album exclusive, ex- exclusively of covers as well. Um, How I Got Over, which was released, I think, in 2010. Um, and they, they, they're, they're, really, they're a really unique um, band in that they adapt really well to the, the period that they make their albums in. All of their albums sound fresh. They don't really sound too dated, um, and even up to their most recent album as well. So yeah, a really solid um, hip hop group that I'd re- I would recommend listening to more albums from. Mm, yeah, fair enough. So I mean, yeah, th- those are the kind of four albums um, that we reviewed. Um, I think in personally, I'd say that I like the Roots one. I think Hendrix is obviously probably the best album, but I guess that's kind of uh, uncontroversial. Um, I like the Roots, probably put them. And then I kind of, and then I'd probably put Bjork. Um, I guess I guess you guys like Bjork more than I do. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, how guys, how would you guys kind of rank the albums based on what you've heard? Cameron? Uh, sorry, you want to put Bjork albums or the albums we listen to? No, the albums we listen to. <laughs> All right, no worries. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna go for a bit of a, a hot take here just because uh, it, again, it's very personal preference, but yeah. I, I did like the Squeeze album the best. <laughs> really? Okay. I, I hate to say it, my my opinions will not change that much. Um. I'd probably go Squeeze, uh, then Bjork, then Jimi Hendrix, and then The Roots. Interesting. All the albums were very good this week. I'll have to. Yeah, say. They, they were actually. We had no, we had no Kevin Federline. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jay, what are your thoughts on um, how the albums kind of rank? That's hard, actually. Um, I'd say the top is for me is a bit of a toss between Hendrix and Bjork. I think the better. I think. The best tracks on Homogenic are probably better than the best tracks on Are You Experienced? But I'd say overall, um, Are You Experienced is probably the most consistent album we had. Um, that being said, I really liked um, Illadelf, Half-Life. I also enjoyed Call for Cats. Um, again, I, I kind of do echo that there's no uh, weak album. Um, I did definitely think while I was listening to this, I think we probably picked up, we probably made our best choices this week. Um, yeah, I thought we did quite good, actually, in picking some albums. I thought they were interesting. There was no album that was kind of, I was like, why did this? Why did someone pick this? <laughs> Arjun? I mean, yeah, firstly, none, none of these albums come close to Kevin Federline, which was yeah. just the superior album we've listened to um, <laughs> during the podcast. Um, I think, objectively, Our Experience is, is the best album um, out of the four. But from personal preference, in terms of enjoyment, I enjoy listening to In the Delph Half-Life the most. But I would rank that second. Um, but first, in terms of pure enjoyment, I, I like the Bjork album. That would probably come third. And um, um, the Squeeze album, again, was enjoyable. But for me, out of the four, was the weakest. Mm. OK, yeah, fair enough. Um, so we've guys... learned is we're all yeah. stuck in our ways. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so what are, you guys up, what are you guys up to listening to then uh, this week then? Cameron. So I'm probably going to listen to an album more of a sense of obligation than actually wanting to. And that is the new 1975 album, Notes on a Conditional Form. I've not yet listened to it. I just have to say that I I despise the 1975. (laughs) I I hate everything they stand for musically and otherwise. I I just detest them. But I do realise that's a bit of an untenable position if I don't listen to their new album. Which I'm not looking forward to. I thought the last one before that, Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships, was one of the most bloated, self-indulgent 
pieces of disposable garbage released in the last decade. I can't really put into words just how much I hated that album. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I'm not pulling any punches. Here. <laughs> um, no, I. But I'll give it a listen. I'll, I go into it with an open mind, and you know, I'm, I might end up enjoying it, but I'm not holding my breath. That, that assessment, although I'm not listening to that that penultimate 1975 record you mentioned there, that that does remind me of how I felt about the latest Arctic Monkeys record which was oh, uh, four see, out of five. Oh, I like that album. <laughs> I thought it was a bit indulgent. I didn't think that Alex Turner's vocals were, were sustainable throughout the... I do see why you say that. I, I think that... I didn't like that album. I, I liked it. I appreciated how they switched it up after AM. I thought they needed to go in a new place, and I think they did that decently enough. But I can see what you're saying about his vocals. It didn't really... For, for like, It was quite a long album. For, for the, that length, it, nah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Arjun, what are you up to then this week? Music. Um, yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. I'll probably just listen to some albums spontaneously. I'll probably listen back to um, the Roots and the albums that I listen to, listen to those again, and perhaps listen to one of their most recent ones, just because I'm sort of on a roll with them right now. So, Fair enough. And what about you, Jay? Um, I'd probably listen to some more of. Um, I'd listen to Mad Villainy, as we said, and MF Doom. I'll probably check out some more of their stuff. Um, I'm also. I am quite spontaneous. I'll just listen to whatever I feel like. Um, like you, Jay, also, Jay, you need to listen to Illmatic. I listened to it yesterday. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, that's what my message was meant to convey. We didn't obviously get the hint. No, no. Um, yeah, we can discuss that next week then, I guess. Um, also, we're going kind of going on the assumption that it's Kanye West new album coming out this week. Uh, Technically, I mean, it's meant to uh, on Friday. I mean, do we actually think that's going to happen? No, of course not. He's got previous and letting us all down, so. On you know, music, it says it's coming out. You know. But I mean, like, and he's also like, to. I mean, he's gonna like. Okay, what's gonna happen is that the tracks because he he released a, he released a track list on Twitter for those who don't know, and it had some tracks that, that had asterisks next to them. And one thing that's gonna happen is. So this album won't come out this week. We'll have an album next year called like The Lord Is My Shepherd or something like that. And and like all the asterisk tracks will be on there, so about half the tracks, and they'll all be edited to be shorter, and they'll all be like worse than they were before. <laughs> 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 That's kind of what I'm expecting of Kanye now. I mean, Arjun, what do you think is going to happen with Kanye? In terms of the album, well, I have no clue. For it. So probably he probably won't ever mention that tweet again. He won't acknowledge it. Um, who knows? I really can't read into this man's mind, to be honest. Uh, all I know is that whatever he does, it'll be a crazy ride. It'll be, it'll be enjoyable. It'll be cringy. It'll be entertaining to watch. It'll be sad to watch. And yeah, enjoy the roller coaster of being a fan of his. Well, I guess on that quite poignant note and or very accurate note, um, we'll leave it here. Thank you guys for your time. We'll be back next time with another four albums. Um, we hope to keep it, you know, quite varied in genre. And yeah, we hope that we're doing that. I think we have done that successfully so far. And yeah, we'll um, see you next time on Wax and Lyrical from the Symposium. Just a quick reminder that we're on Spotify. Uh, you can find the link in our Instagram bio, uh, the Symposium podcast. And then all our other links will be there too, to our YouTube channel and our Instagram, etc. So yeah, please do follow us on Spotify and enjoy our content. Thanks. See you next time. Symposium with Ash Orlack.